And we're live. Welcome back to another episode of the Wheelie Podcast, everyone, where we talk about electric bike news and everything that's the latest in the two-wheeled world. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined again by electric Seth Weintraub, who I believe is out in LA. How's it going, Seth? Good. Uh, actually, a really interesting e-bike scene out here that uh, you know has changed since even in the last year. Uh, we're staying in Santa Monica and um, you know all along the beach e-bikes are everywhere. Even like the bike rental places mostly are, are renting e-bikes. And then also they have the uh, LA Metro bikes, which is kind of like the uh, Belibes in Paris or the city bikes in New York um, have gone electric and they have a, a Bosch drivetrain system, which is really nice, obviously. Um, but the, uh, the bike batteries are, you know, off to the side, off the, 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 the rear wheel, which, you know, obviously seems like an afterthought. I think we've seen this in another uh, a bike uh, factor or uh, another city bike kind of thing. So, um, you know, yesterday my son and I uh, rented a couple of Metro bikes and my other son, who's a big skateboarder, kind of just rode alongside along the beach, uh, holding on to the battery, which is off the side of the, the rear wheel. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a fun way to get around. And, you know, like LA, everybody hates driving because you're stuck in traffic and you know along the bike paths and stuff like that you're you're much better off and it's obviously much quicker with an e-bike so um really enjoying the e-bike scene here in la absolutely yeah so you're you're there probably what once a year at least uh how how have you seen it change over the last few years or when did e-bikes really start to become like a, a mass there well I, I i usually go to the la auto show um and then you know catch a little USC football after that and, and, and other stuff. Um, that's a little bit in the fall. Um, it's a little bit more, I would say a little bit more summertime now, but not really. It's still ch a little chilly here. Um, but uh, it's like every step of the way, it's it's a big step in e-bikes. And, and usually with the LA Auto Show, that's downtown. I stay downtown. This time I'm in Santa Monica. So um, you're seeing a lot more beach people. But you can tell that, you know, these aren't just like people with like, you know, the off e-bike. These are people like commuting to work. These are people like getting from one place to another. They've got their kids on their bikes. You know, it's kind of like the, the minivan, you know, use case. Um, and it's happening a lot. I don't know if it's reducing traffic, but I know the people that are on e-bikes are not, you know, dealing with traffic or at least not as much. So, uh, it's, it's definitely a cool thing. And, and we're seeing like, it's not just like, you know, generic e-bikes. E we're seeing Super 73s um, everywhere. Uh, juiced. I saw an aerial rider, uh, like this like 90-year-old guy on an aerial rider yesterday. It was crazy. Um, just, just a plethora of bikes everywhere. Even like a lot of high-end, like specialized and Trek uh, e-bikes around as well. So really heartening to see. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I feel like, you know, the US has always been sort of a few years behind Europe. But now we're getting to that tipping point where each time I go to a new city, we're just seeing like huge amounts of e-bikes moving around. Um, in some places, you know, almost more. Sometimes I feel like I see even more than pedal bikes in, in some cities. Yeah, I think that's the case here, too. Maybe that's what kind of stuck out to me is like, by default, bikes were e-bikes, not, not just... Uh, the off one or two here or there. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we have so many new e-bikes coming out. It feels like every week or so, there's probably two or three unveilings. So it makes sense that with this rate of new e-bikes, that it's just going to really start taking off. And if anything, I think even this week, we've got several uh, new electric bikes of different types that have been unveiled. Uh, I know we're going to be talking about some new Super 73 models, uh, also some higher power things from Saunders and Luna. So there's uh, there's definitely a lot of new stuff out there. It feels like every week in the e-bike space. But uh, where are we going to start off with this week, Seth? Yeah, um, so local. Uh, and I hope to talk to Luna's Eric uh, either today or tomorrow. was was kind of hoping to get, get over there before uh, today's podcast. But um, they launched a Suron Killer, uh, Talaria, I think that's how you pronounce it, Sting electric motorbike with, a, with 50% more power. Yeah, this thing looks pretty wild. I have not ridden one yet. Um, from what I understand, it's it's very similar feeling to a Suron, um, which you know a lot of us have tried before. Suron's been around for many years, and they're kind of like the brand name when it comes to these sort of off-road, a bit enduro-style light trail bikes. But the Talaria here, it's a significant upgrade. And this is the newest model of the Sting. I think it's the Sting R. And so it's got uh, 50% more power than the Saron X. It also has about 20% more battery capacity. It's got larger brakes, um, which actually LunaCycle used to have to actually upgrade the brakes on the Saron when it would come in to what they felt were, you know, safe and, and by, uh, brakes that would be good as a standard, uh, you know, standard equipment on these things. But the Talaria just comes with 230 millimeter, I think 2.3 millimeter thick rotors, which are quite thick, uh, mm-hmm. quad piston brakes, um, and it's just a, uh, a significant upgrade in many ways. Even the, uh, gearbox is instead of being a belt reduction, which, um, a lot of people would have problems with broken belts. Or you'd have to get in there and re- replace a belt if it tore. This one has a gearbox. So the downside is that you have to change the oil every 3000 miles, which if you're riding this off road, you probably don't do 3000 miles that often. But the upside is that there's nothing really to, uh, to wear down or break those gears should last for a really long time as long as you're you know changing your oil at the the maintenance cycle which is pretty far so there's a a lot to like here in what's basically a Suron style vehicle but with some significant upgrades and I think the cherry on top here is the price it's only 150 bucks more expensive than the Suron X um, at about 4500 bucks so you know you're paying almost the same thing but you're getting uh, a lot more in many cases so I mean, this this really does feel like a Suron killer to me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it looks like a Suron. I think if you're riding one around, people will probably think you're on a Suron. And, you know, from what I've been seeing online, this is kind of like the update that Suron should have done themselves. You know, they've kind of been sitting on that same design for a couple, a number of years now. And obviously there's a, there's a big uh, user base out there that, um, you know, We'll take advantage of that, um, especially with, you know, aftermarket stuff. And and Luna's kind of saying, well, hey, we're going to do the same thing. Um, you know, he didn't come out outright and say it, but when we, we talked to Eric about this, it kind of, I kind of got the vibe that he was, you know, tired of like, you know, uh, Suron uh, was exclu- like Luna basically made Suron in the U.S. Um, and then, you know, now Sir, uh, Luna, or Suron is selling through... Um, Segway and a bunch of other, uh, I think they're even going direct here. So, uh, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, it doesn't seem like a, a very nice way to treat your, uh, your best, uh, customer. So 
and I know um, uh, Luna had a lot to do with the Talaria um, specs. Um, this is an upgraded bike from the Talaria had a, a previous bike, and basically everything was you know up, upgraded. And this is very Luna like um, all the all the specs here. So um, it's it's just you know a very impressive bike. Um, the video that was at the bottom of the um, Luna page uh, kind of showed uh, the Sir Honor, uh, one of the YouTubers, saying like, hey, this is exactly what I would have done with this, you know, the Sir Ron, a little bit more power, a little bit more range. Um, he says it's quieter. I've, I've, you know, with gearboxes, it's always hard to tell, like, um, but I guess, you know, the gear reduction, um, you don't have as fast a spinning chain. So that's, that's helpful. Um, and, you know, everybody I've talked to that, you know, has seen the specs or seen the, the, uh, the video is, has been like, okay, this is serious. And the fact that Luna is doing this, you know, they, it, it's kind of signaling, all right, we're not, we're not dealing with Suron so much anymore. They're still going to make aftermarket parts, obviously, but, um, you know, I think this is what they're going to focus on going forward in this, in this space. Yeah. And, and like you said, it sounds like, um, you know, Eric and Luna played a, a pretty big role in sort of advising some of these upgrades and, and we're used to seeing Luna bring in bikes and then do a lot of these upgrades themselves. And in this case, they don't really have to do too much to it because it's already pretty, uh, you know, pretty upgraded over the, the previous version. Right. Yeah. I mean, this, this has like a lot of power. It's got a lot of range. Um, it's got the big brakes. Like those are the things that, you know, Luna really you know, sometimes talks about. I guess they could do a belt drive on here. Um, but, and, and Luna has said like, hey, we're going to do some upgrades. Uh, you know, this summer we'll have some uh, new stuff. And they're already selling out of them. So uh, on their Facebook account, they had, you know, this like array of boxes that were going out. So um, it's happening. They're, they're definitely uh, doing this thing. So. Um, and it, and it's also interesting. Another LA company, Sondors, has got the uh, the Meta Beast, which is a, another fifty mile per hour uh, off road uh, bike. I think that might be a little bit bigger, a little bit more full sized. Um, but it's just interesting to see this space like really blowing up right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you think you'll be able to get on one of these in the next couple of days while you're out there? I mean, I'm hoping today. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, Eric's such a, a nice guy. Uh, he invited me out to his house where he, you know, I was like, hey, my kids are here. He's like, oh, you guys should come to my house. We have a space shuttle. And I was like, what? Like the space shuttle. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right, cool. So everyone uh, keep keep a watch on Seth's uh, Twitter account. Maybe we'll see some, yeah. uh, some riding. Yep. All right. Uh, moving along a little bit. Super 73 launches Adventure Series e-bikes kids' bikes, and new e-motorcycle details. Yeah, this was a pretty big announcement from uh, Super 73. So sort of three things rolled into one. First of all, they announced a new adventure series, which covers all of their different bikes. Um, the Z, which is like the entry level, the S, and then the R and the RX. So uh, there's a number of different upgrades here. Uh, the, some of the more obvious ones are the tires and the seats. So they all get these really aggressive sort of uh, adventure style tires. Um, they, there are new longer bench seats on the uh, R and I believe the S as well. 
Also, the R and the S both have their batteries moved lower, so it drops that center of gravity a good bit. I guess that's not something they could do on the Z based on the design there. And then there are a few other upgrades as well. Um, there's a, an eight-speed cassette on all of them as standard equipment, since uh, a lot of these bikes come with a, a single speed right out of the gate because a lot of people aren't pedaling these. Um, and of course, there's a slight bump in the price as well. But uh, you know, all in all, this is a pretty cool upgrade for the kind of people who don't just ride these on the street, people who actually want to get off-road, get in the dirt, and treat this like a little sort of light electric dirt bike. Um, so it's, it's cool to see this uh, adventure series added. Uh, the next update they, they rolled out were the kids' bikes, which they actually revealed about a year ago, but now they're finally rolling these things out. These are, they're not actually bicycles because they don't have pedals. They're more of a, I want to, I mean, I want to call them a balance bike, but at this point it's more like a, a mini motorcycle because normally a balance bike, you kind of like kick it and you pick your feet up. This one, I think you have to kick it for the first few feet and then you can engage the throttle and you're just riding around like you're on a motorcycle. So, I mean, it's it's effectively like a kid's motorcycle, I want to say. Um, and it comes with a motorcycle price. It's like a thousand bucks. So you better wow. be prepared to, you know, pay uh, motorsport prices <laughs> for this thing. Uh, and then speaking of motorcycles, that's the sort of the third big announcement from Super 73 here is they gave us more details on their upcoming C1X electric motorcycle, specifically about the charging. And this is pretty big because they are saying that it's going to be the fastest charging electric motorcycle out there. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we, we've seen uh, fast charging from other brands. We've seen it from Livewire. We've seen it from Energica. But it's it's kind of surprising to see an electric bicycle company that's new into the motorcycle game come out with uh, ultra fast charging technology. So what they're saying is that they're going to be able to put in, I believe it's um, 20 to 80%, uh, there it is, 10 to 80% in 15 minutes, which is faster than pretty much anything that exists right now in the electric motorcycle industry. How are they going to do it? It's not entirely clear yet. Um, but <laughs> once this thing rolls out, which is expected at some point next year, Hopefully we get to see sort of how the sausage is made there because uh, right now this is, I mean, they have one prototype. Uh, apparently, you know, it's it's not uh, working at 100% performance, but they're doing like 25 or 50% uh, limited testing. And so, you know, it's it's not like a total concept vehicle. They're they're working on on sort of test mules, but this is not a production bike. It's far from it at this point. So right now it's great to hear about this new technology coming out, but uh, I kind of want to see it on a real bike before I get too excited about it It being first released by a bicycle company as opposed to a sort of uh, established motorcycle company. What, what are your thoughts, up? Yeah, it's a surprising. Um, even in the car space, you don't see 10 to 80% in 15 minutes in, unless we're talking about like, you know, in the lab type of results. So it'll be interesting to see what they, they do there in terms of uh, battery and charging technology. Um, it, you know, will it be proprietary? Will it be, you know, the DC fast charging that you, you know, go to Electrify America or Tesla or something? Um, kids bike, uh, that's crazy because it seems like a balanced bike. Like you go right from balanced bike to motorcycle in this case. I guess that's, uh, you're, you're building up a uh, audience there of future Super 73 riders. And um, yeah, you know, I, like I was saying in LA, these things are everywhere. So um glad to see that they're uh, 
upgrading their off-road stuff. I mean, obviously not a lot of off-road stuff in Los Angeles unless you go up in the hills. But, um, you know, they're Southern California company. I'm sure they're trying these things out everywhere. Yeah, so the one thing that I'll add, like in defense of these kids' bikes that are basically like balance bikes slash motorcycle, mm -hmm. uh, my niece actually, I, I let her try one that I was reviewing or I let her kind of review it. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was still, she's, I think three. So she was still on uh, oh, wow. training wheels at the time and she got on this thing. It took her, you know, like 20, 30 minutes to sort of like get comfortable with it. She started by going downhill and then engaging the throttle. And then after like an hour, she was riding it around like a motorcycle. But then the next day she got on her, uh, training wheel bike and her dad took the training wheels off and she just rode it like normal. So wow. it, it was like a tool that basically taught her to balance at higher speeds and then yeah. she didn't need training wheels anymore on her pedal bike. So there's like, it sounds kind of like silly, these little electric motorcycles for kids, but as sort of a, a balanced training tool, it actually seems like it works in that one sort of anecdotal story there. Right. And three years old, that's pretty early for uh, biking. I know my kids were really early on bikes and I think they were like three or four as well. Oh, I got to start them young. Yep. All right, moving on. Uh, world's longest range e-bikes. I feel like we've heard that before. Uh, launched by Eric Buell's Electric Bicycle Company. Yeah, this one, it, it actually probably rivals the title. Sometimes it's like hyperbole, but I think Eric Buell might have this. So uh, anyone who's not familiar, Eric Buell's kind of a legend in the motorcycle industry. Um, he's He's got a very storied history of building bikes. He was under Harley for a while uh, after they bought his um, motorcycle brand. And he's just a highly respected figure that a few years ago expanded into electric bicycles. And so he's got this fuel brand, uh, which sounds like an odd name, but it's spelled kind of the way Buell is with an F. And these are the two latest models that follow up the original fuel fluid one. Uh, so the two and three, the two is really the uh, higher performance one. And it's got two one kilowatt hour batteries. So 2000 watt hours, which is one of the highest uh, capacities we've seen on a retail e-bike before. Uh, it rivals, I think, the, uh, was it the Hyper Scrambler 2 from Juiced? Is that right, Seth? Yeah, that's a, around 100. But again, that's, you know, always depends on how much you're putting in and how fast you're going. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, uh, the, the Hyper Scrambler 2 is more of a, a moped or like, you know, light motorcycle type of bike. Whereas these are very much commuter style bikes that are designed to be lighter, more efficient, that sort of thing. So, um, with these, I think you're, you're probably going to get a little closer to the actual range that they're stating. Uh, the other thing is that these are, uh, I believe pedal assist only. So you're talking about a bike that's already going to be more efficient because you're pedaling it as opposed to riding it like a, a motorbike with a throttle, um, between the two here, the um the fluid two and the fluid three the main difference here is uh the battery that i mentioned but also the frame style so the fluid three only has a single one kilowatt hour battery which is still bigger than almost every other e-bike battery out there and it's also a step through um it uses these uh this new vallejo mid-drive motor which is interesting because it has a gearbox built into it and so um, that means that you don't need an internally geared hub in the rear if you're using a belt drive like this does. Um, of course, Eric Buell's not going to build a low-end bike, so he's put in uh, a Gates belt drive and uh, a very, very nice mid-drive motor here with that built-in gearbox. 
So all told, it's it's a pretty nice looking bike. I mean, both of these are, uh, especially that Fluid 2 with the double one kilowatt hour batteries. They're pretty expensive. I think um, the the one kilowatt hour one starts in the high 3000s, uh, maybe like 36, 3700. And I think the Fluid 2 starts at about 4000. And those are even the introductory prices. So the MSRP is going to be a bit higher. Um, they're also launching on Indiegogo, which we always sort of give a, a disclaimer that, you know, first of all, we don't generally cover Indiegogo or Kickstarter projects unless either we're, we're able to test the product first to make sure it's real or that it comes from a uh, company that has a history of delivering. In this case, we've tried fluid bikes before. We know the company is legit and they've been around for years. So, um, but keep in mind, it is a, a crowdfunding campaign. And so you're not actually buying a bike you're sort of funding the production of bikes and then you're theoretically rewarded with a bike after they produce. So just something to, uh, to keep in mind, but all in all, I mean, I think that, uh, fuel has done a great job at the design of these bikes and put in some really nice parts. Now it's just a matter of who's going to spend that much money to really get like a, you know, a super high end car replacing type of bike, as opposed to a lot of riders that really want to, you know, spend 1500, maybe 2000 on a, in addition to their car type of bike. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we've always liked the fuel bikes. Um, uh, and you, I think, rode one around in Florida? Yeah, the, uh, uh, the original Fluid one. Yeah. Are we going to see these anytime soon? Hopefully. I think they have a few that are already uh, in the U.S. that they're going to start doing test rides with. Um, I'm not sure production has started for, like, the, the full rollout, but I think they are going to start test rides soon. Yeah. Um, just anecdotally, I, I've talked to a few people who got the previous uh, fuel bikes and they loved them. Um, I think they do a really good job, uh, you know, top tier uh, components and, you know, really good design and obviously the big batteries and, and having two huge batteries overkill for most people. But, um, you know, if you if you don't want to run out of battery, you've got a long commute or whatever. Obviously, this is probably your best option out there. So, yeah, and to me, it's always fun seeing companies that are used to designing uh, much more uh, rugged vehicles, you know, like a motorcycle is a full motor vehicle. So they come to this with sort of a different mindset than a company that's used to designing bicycles. And so to see a more ruggedized bike, something that has components that are meant to last for years, um, that is just sort of like the standard way of thinking, as opposed to some extra accessory you got to add on to to me, that's always great to see because it just lifts the whole industry up. Yep. And, and specifically on this motor, have we seen this motor on anything else before? I haven't seen it, um, but I'm not as familiar with the Vallejo motors. I think this specific model is pretty new, the one with the built-in gearbox, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't seen it on anything else. Okay. Yeah, that's it's interesting because uh, it sounds like the internal gears, like your, your pedaling speed isn't necessarily going to be the, the speed that the belt is going around the... Uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, the front sprocket. So, um, it'll be kind of a weird feeling, you know, pedaling at one speed and seeing the belt, you know, either flying way faster or even going slower if you're going up a hill or something. So that's pretty interesting. I wonder what it does for balance too, because you don't have that heavy either, you know, cassette and derailleur in the back or an internally geared hubs. You've got a lot more, um, you know, centralized mass there for, you know, someone like me that I'm not like, you know, a, a spandex kind of rider. I'm not sure I'd notice the huge difference, but people who really get nitty gritty, 
probably will notice like, you know, more, more central weight and they might really feel that difference. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if this is a, a new thing, you know, we'll see a lot more of these. I guess we'll find out. Um, moving on. Sondors unveils MetaBeast 50 mile per hour e-bike and 75 mile per hour electric trail bike. So this is the one that uh, you mentioned earlier, Seth. There's uh, the MetaBeast and the MetaBeast X. The uh, MetaBeast is, so they're both on the first, uh, they're on the same frame set, first of all. Um, and they're kind of MetaCycle-ish in that they use a similar uh, cast aluminum frame. So there's no weld lines or anything here. It's all cast out of one massive uh, aluminum uh, mold, I guess. I'm not sure if it's investment cast or how they do it actually, but you basically got one big bunk of aluminum there. Um, it's got a smaller frame cavity than the MetaCycle, so it looks a bit different. That's because it's designed for a different type of riding. This is very much an, uh, like a dual sport off-road type bike, but it's apparently going to be homologated for street legal use as well. Right now, it's missing a lot of parts that are going to be important, like turn signals, reflectors, mirrors, all that stuff. So, you know, these things generally look prettier in the concept images like we're seeing here than they do when they roll out in the end. The same thing happened with the Metacycle. But these are pretty cool vehicles. Um, between the two, the uh, the Meta Beast, got this so many names out there. The Meta Beast is the sort of entry-level one, 50 miles an hour. I think it's about six kilowatts, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or maybe this was the 3,000 watt one. I think there's a table there. Yeah. Keep all these specs straight. Six kilowatt on the, the smaller one, 18 kilowatt on the beast X. There you go. Yeah. So the smaller one, it's 50 miles an hour. It's really like we talked about Suron, Talaria kind of size and spec. Uh, but the meta beast X, this is the one that's really meant to be like a, um, you know, everyday commuter type motorcycle. So, uh, like you said, Seth, 18 kilowatts, that's something like 25 horsepower, um, 75 miles an hour. This is something that you could theoretically take on to the highway for, for short hops. You know, you're not going to be doing long commutes on the highway, but if you live in the suburbs, you could certainly, you know, get on the highway, get to the city and then ride this in the city just fine. And depending how long your uh, commute is, you might even be able to do that all on one charge. Um, so, you know, pretty interesting vehicles here. Uh, the price is also fairly attractive as well. Uh, there's promotional pricing that puts the MetaBeast at, I think it's, uh, it's like 4,000, something like that. And then the MetaBeast X at 6,500, though um, the MSRPs are a bit higher. I think it's uh, 5,000 something for the MetaBeast and 8,500 um, for the, or 8,000 for the uh, MetaBeast X. So if you want to hop in and pay in full now, there's no like, you know, $100 deposit. Uh, situation here. If you want to pay full, you get a pretty nice discount. But we should note that um, while they say that delivery is going to be in October, Saunders is kind of infamous for running pretty significantly past their uh, delivery timelines. Uh, the same thing happened with the MetaCycle. The same thing has happened with many of their e-bike rollouts. And they've gotten a bad rap. They, a lot of people... Sorry, go on. They do come out. Like, uh, you know, we we talked to Saunders a few weeks ago. Um, they, they always are late. They're always like, you know, slightly different than what you, you know, see originally, but they do deliver them and people generally seem to be happy with it, what they get. But, you know, and we, we've already also talked about, you know, the Saunders try to go, uh, with an IPO and that didn't work out and there might be some financial, 
uh, things to think about. If you're, you know, thinking about placing an order, is this company going to be around? Uh, obviously, we have no idea, but um, you know, those are things to take into consideration when, you know, throwing down forty five hundred dollars or even, you know, three thousand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so you know, like you said, that that's totally fair. They always seem to come out in the end. Um, and you know, this one, I was like so debating on whether or not to put down a reservation myself. It's even like, which one of these do I want? Because I, right. I watch so many of these launches, like, you know, come and go and I want to be in that first group. But unlike the MetaCycle where, you know, it was just sort of a will they, won't they? Now it's a will they, won't they? And will they survive at the same time? So, right. you know, I, I have a lot of faith in Saunders because I've seen them deliver time and time again, even if, you know, they've been late. But with some of this financial speculation in the air, it just gives me a little more pause than than it would have. And I think if there weren't those issues that we've talked about before, I probably would have already jumped in. And like right after I finished writing the article about the launch, I would have put down a reservation. <laughs> but yeah. for now, I, I think I'm going to sit back a little bit and watch and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the specs, they're just so incredible. I mean, when I'm when I'm looking at the the Beast and the Beast X, the weight alone at 123 pounds, for the, the beast and the 200 pounds for the beast X. I mean, I feel like half of that has to be battery and, and how do they keep, you know, keep the rest of it? So, so low. And of course, like, you know, things change, obviously. Um, we, we don't know what, you know, what the final, uh, specs are going to be, but you know, this just seems like such a great bike and uh, such a great price. Um, you know, $3,000, like the meta beast compares, uh, you know, pretty well to like, you know, the thing we, the Talaria from Luna, we just talked about, but, you know, Luna's got those things like in their warehouse ready to ship where this is, you know, we didn't, we haven't even seen like a real bike, uh, from Saunders, uh, you know, meta beast bike yet. Um, these are all renders that we've seen. So, um, it's, it's just like one of those things, like how much are you w willing to risk? How much are you, you know, you know, you're, you're risking a lot more money, but if they come through, you're getting a great bike for $3,000 or $4,500. Yeah, absolutely. And weight, like you brought up is, is one of those interesting things because that's a, a, a big change that we saw on the MetaCycle where they initially said it would weigh 200 pounds. And then by the time it rolled out, they said it actually weighs 300. And then when people got them and they put them on a scale, it weighed like 330 something. So <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see if this stays at 200 pounds. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't bet the farm on that part. But uh, exciting to see, exciting to see that come out. Um, hopefully, uh, it makes it out. You know, by the end of the year. Um, one more. Uh, here's why one startup is giving out 140,000 free electric motorcycles. This one's exciting because it it comes from uh, halfway around the world. Um, from you, Seth. I guess it's just a bit south from me here, but. Um, this is a uh, not a Ugandan-based company, but a uh, an African company that's starting operations in Uganda, where the country has um, made an announcement that they're going to give out free electric motorcycles to all motorcycle riders in the country in an attempt to significantly shift the uh, most popular mode of transportation towards electrification. In Uganda, uh, more people use uh, motorcycles than cars. It's just a much easier way to get around in a lot of these cities. And so when the uh, government announced that a few months ago, we were like, well, how's this going to work? How are you going to give out, you know, like 
so many free electric motorcycles. Now we're finding out a little more detail. There's this startup Spiro that makes local electric motorcycles and they've gotten funding from a, um, basically an African sustainability group that has already put 50 million into them that um, basically allows them to produce these motorcycles, give them out to uh, motorcycle taxi drivers. So these first 140,000 are going to go to uh, taxi drivers. And then Spiro is going to earn revenue on battery swapping and charging stations that they're installing. And so um, I actually got a chance to talk to the company CEO a couple of days ago. And it's interesting because you know they describe themselves as wanting to be the sort of the Gogoro of Africa. And as opposed to just like rushing to launch a bunch of motorcycles, they've really developed their um, battery swapping as a key component of this because the batteries that they're using, they only get about 60 kilometers or so of range, which is about uh, 36 miles, I think. So not super long, but when you have swap stations all around, it doesn't really matter because you just roll in, some guy takes your battery and, and swaps it out for you. These are manual stations. They're not like Gogros where it's all like a vending machine. Um, but still, I mean, that's, you know, a big part of this because you have these uh, taxi drivers. I think they're called Bodo Bodos, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, they basically just drive like all day. And to them, the most important thing is their daily cost. And so the CEO was telling me that like, you know, what they want to know is they don't care if it's green. They don't care about maintenance. They don't care anything. They want to know at the end of the day, like how much money is in their pocket and how much they spent on fuel. And so if they spend significantly less swapping batteries than refilling at a gas station, then that's the most important thing to them. And that's what this startup is trying to do. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to see it happen on a countrywide scale as opposed to some of these smaller scale, you know, citywide pilots we've seen or that sort of thing. This is like a whole country that is basically pushing all of their gas motorcycles out and replacing them with electric motorcycles in the span of a few years, which to me is kind of amazing. Yeah. And, and what a great idea. Like, you know, that we, we all know the cost of running an electric uh, bike, motorcycle, car, whatever is less than the gas equivalent on a, you know, fuel up basis. But this company actually plans to make their money on the, the fuel up and, you know, theoretically, or, you know, very likely uh, the drivers will still be paying less for fuel than, um, you know, quotes, uh, than they would be for gas, gasoline or you know oil or whatever. And yet the company, there's still enough like margin there for them to make a profit on that. And the bikes are basically free uh, or, you know, very you know, nominal cost. So I, I just love that idea. Seems like a really smart way to go. Um, and the specs aren't bad at all. Like these motorcycles are 5.6.5 kilowatts. They go 50 miles per hour and range of 56 miles. I mean, we were just talking, uh, you know, with, with Saunders and, um, even with the, uh, um, the Luna, uh, bikes, you know, similar, you know, people are paying $4,500 or more for these kind of bikes. So pretty cool. I have to say like, this is really impressive. Like why won't, you know, this would work in the U S obviously we don't have motorcycle cabs or anything, but you know, like, I wish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it would be nice if there was like a Gogoro, you know, light option, especially in cities for maybe scooters or even e-bikes. Like, uh, you know, there's so many, you know, we need to do a couple things here. We need to like standardize our battery systems. It would be nice if, you know, that same battery worked for, uh, super 73 or a juiced or whatever, or, you know, it would also work in uh, any of the, the lawnmowers out there. That would be 
you know, a good first start. And then, you know, you could just swap these batteries, you know, at, at local stations throughout the work, you know, whatever, you wouldn't even need to have like a local charging. You could just, you know, put your bike down at the street level and uh, zip around. So we need to get there. We, we don't quite, we're not great with infrastructure here and like we're being shamed by Uganda, it looks like. So uh, good for them. Uh, shame on us. Yeah, we've got a few things to learn, don't we? Yeah. All right. And the last one today is uh, this guy bought a Chinese electric food truck from Alibaba. Sounds familiar. Uh, here's what showed up. So uh, if you guys are not familiar with my uh, awesomely weird Alibaba electric vehicle of the week column comes out each weekend. Basically, I find some super weird but pretty cool little electric vehicle that's made in China and like write up about why it's weird and cool at the same time. Every now and again, people actually buy the things that I find. And I always tell them, like, don't buy this. It's a really bad idea. <laughs> but that doesn't stop a few people. And this nice gentleman from Washington State decided to uh, actually buy one of the little uh, coffee trucks or coffee tuk-tuks, I guess, because it's like a three-wheeled uh, food food cart kind of thing. And it was quite an adventure because uh, you start by having it customized, which is already pretty cool that like you can buy one of these things and they'll, you know, paint it up however you want. That's his coffee company's logo on it. Walnut nitro coffee. Um, he had it specked out the way he wanted. He's super tall. So it's got a hydraulic lift in there. So it like pops up so he can stand in there and like be a barista serving coffee. Um, and he had it specced with like all the right equipment and the plumbing and, you know, the electrical he needed to run all of this stuff. He was going to use like a, a Jackery type, um, you know, portable battery generator. So he wouldn't need to have a, a gas or diesel generator running so that, you know, both the vehicle and the coffee were both green in that sense. Mm. So he had it all specked out, um, had it shipped from China, got it all loaded up and everything. Uh, when it arrived in the U S though, as, uh, myself and others have discovered, <laughs> The, um, the situation is not as rosy as it looks online. So when he got it, the hydraulic lift wasn't working. A bunch of the stuff inside was like pretty haphazardly connected. So he basically had to sort of gut it and rebuild it. So he replaced all the hydraulics. Um, he had to change the plumbing and the wiring to get it up to Washington State code. But over a year, he did all that work. It was garaged. And then a year after he got it, he was able to get it titled as a motorcycle in Washington State. And now it's a fully functional coffee truck, basically. Uh, he named it Wally, and Wally drives around in uh, Washington. I think it's in Seattle. I'm not exactly sure. And serves coffee. He also um, like rents it out. So if you have like a big event, he'll like drive up with his his coffee cart. Um, it's got a pretty uh, minimal range. I think it's like six miles, so you can't go too far <laughs> with it. Um, but he said, you know, when he's carrying like a whole bunch of kegs of water and coffee. Like that's not doing the range any favors. So, right. you know, I, I kind of understand. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't spec'd with a big battery to begin with. Uh, the speed, he said, I think is like 20 miles an hour downhill. So, um, you know, not not a high performance vehicle by any stretch of the imagination. I have a, a similar structured vehicle, a um, like a rickshaw tuk-tuk. And yeah, when you get that thing above like 15 miles an hour, you're hanging on for dear life. So uh, I hope his has better suspension than mine. But all in all, like a, a pretty fun way to like live vicariously through someone who went on this adventure, you know, risks some money to to get something pretty neat, even if he had to do a lot of work and, you know, 
put in a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears to turn it into what he really wanted in the end. Yeah. I love the finished product. Uh, yeah. I would love to see these like everywhere. They're, they seem very like simple and like, obviously if you know anything goes wrong, there's probably parts on Alibaba as well. So, um, you know, so did he say that he got this from, from your post or was this just a, another? Yeah. So he, um, he actually emailed me after I posted one of these like three wheeled food trucks mm-hmm. and he was like, Hey, I've like been looking for one of these. Um, he's, you know, been following the column and he asked, you know, if I chose that one for any specific reason, I was like, I liked the color and it looked weird. Like, that's right. why I just, so like, don't like buy just that one because I, I wrote about it. So I think he like, you know, continued looking around for a while um, he's, he's actually bought stuff on Alibaba before for other business stuff. So he kind of is familiar with the process. He's not mm-hmm. like, you know, a total noob at this. So that was good. Like, again, just disclaimer, I don't recommend anyone, especially if you haven't bought from China before to like hop in and buy a vehicle as your first thing. This is like, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues that come up. So, uh, he at least, you know, knew the process and, and I guess he shopped around to find someone that he felt comfortable with to, to choose this one in the end. And and the the logo, the walnut nitro coffee. It, I mean, it looks like they did that in China. Yeah, yeah, they did it. You know, they customized it all for him the way he wanted. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he and... um he didn't tell me how much it cost. He said it was about a fifth of buying an Italian uh, food truck, which okay. I'm not exactly sure how much an Italian food truck costs. But um, his summary was basically like, you know, he he's glad he did it, but people should know going in that like you can't expect to spend a fifth of an Italian food truck and get an Italian food truck. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And I see uh, in this uh, image, there's like a heavy duty plug there. Oh yeah. He had to redo all the electrical to like get it up to, to Washington code. Right. Well, it looks like a fun project. Um, If you, I mean, obviously this is a little DIY thrown in with the, uh, and, and a little bit of logistic, uh, expertise as well um so awesome project um let me move on here to uh, some of the comments here rid of this guy all right uh there's no point in getting a motorcycle with insurance bike payment when an e-bike more or less does the same thing that's something we should have also discussed about los angeles obviously in the past if you wanted something uh, <clears throat> to ride around in and, you know, don't want to pedal a lot, motorcycles or mopeds were your only option. Um, these e-bikes, especially the more powerful ones, um, you know, you don't need a, a license. And I think the local law people are pretty much happy to see, you know, within reason, like e-bikes, especially, you know, like Super 73s, um, those style of e-bikes, like, much rather have those on the road than huge cars. So, you know, not, nobody's like, you know, are, is this 750 Watts? And, and I, I think, you know, when you see a bike that, you know, has good branding of a brand, you know, you're not, you're less likely to say, you know, is this tricked out or whatever? How about you? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, for cities, I absolutely agree. Like, you know, you, you just don't really need the the power or speed of a motorcycle. When you're talking about commuting between cities, that's where, to me, the motorcycle becomes worth it to avoid needing a, you know, a full four-wheeled vehicle. 
Um, and then like in LA, I don't know LA as well as you do, but I feel like, you know, if you're in like, you know, just Santa Monica, like, you know, an e-bike's fine. But if you want to go from like Santa Monica to Malibu, like maybe that would be tricky, right? Uh, I mean, those two, you pick two places that are next to each other, but if you wanted to go Santa Monica to like downtown LA, uh, you would probably want a motorcycle of some sort or, or they have uh, uh, light rail now. So you could, you could take that, but um, yeah, yeah. E-bikes aren't good for, you know, long, bigger interstate or bigger inner city commutes. Um, but they're fantastic. I mean, most people like, you don't go shopping, uh, you know, on downtown LA. You don't go like people who live in Santa Monica kind of live in Santa Monica. They don't, they don't go to the other parts of the city and they certainly don't go east of LA. So, um, yeah, you, you really don't need, uh, you know, living around here, you don't need a car, uh, if you have an e-bike and obviously the weather here is great. Um, and with the, you know, with an e-bike, the Hills are no longer really an issue. And, and as uh, Raven mentions, like, it's so much cheaper without the, the licensing, the fees, um, parking, like there's a lot of stuff that uh, you're saving money on, insurance, etc. All right, Carl in San Diego, uh, best way to understand these pricey big battery or fast bikes is a car replacement, then big investment in these or cargo bikes isn't so hard to swallow. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about this in the past, like, you know, a $3,000, $5,000 bike makes no sense if you're just pedaling around the neighborhood and also have a car. But if you are going on longer trips, um, if you're replacing a car, then all of a sudden um, it doesn't make quite as much, or, you know. Yeah, it's like the European mentality, I think, that right. like, you know, they'll spend a lot more on an e-bike because either that way they don't need two cars, it's just a car and a bike, or they only need a bike. So to them, it's, you're, you're paying vehicle level prices or, you know, maybe less than a car, but something much more than you'd spend on a Huffy because you're using it like a vehicle. Right. All right. Uh, A2 Racing uh, has a question. Uh, do you need a license for the tuk-tuk? Yeah. So he actually had to measure, uh, it, like basically register it as a motorcycle. So, um, in some States you can have, um, an enclosed motorcycle that doesn't require a license. I'm not sure how Washington is on that, but he probably needs a motorcycle license for it because it's registered as a motorcycle. Yeah. Um, I, th I think I remember you saying something about, uh, making it Washington state standard motorcycles. Obviously, uh, there's 50 different states with 50 different like sets of laws. So uh, figure out what your state is cool with. Maybe contact the local law enforcement and say, hey, I'm thinking about getting this thing. Are you guys going to pull me over? Uh, so. Um, so that is all the comments. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you guys found that episode interesting. We will be back in two more weeks from today with the next episode of the Wheelie Podcast. See you guys next time, everyone.